We just live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. On the streets of old Milwaukee was a young boy walking. Somebody needs to take this mic away from you. You never need to hold it again. It's always a hater in the group. Hello and welcome to the Brew Hoop Podcast. I'm Adam Paris, co-managing editor of BrewHoop.com. Back, despite being on the men, to record another episode with my fellow writers over at BrewHoop.com, Kyle Carr and Riley Feldman. Guys, I can't think of uh, a greater atmosphere to be hype in than after an absolute decimation of the Bucks over the Pistons. 121-86, game one of the NBA playoffs. I can't think of a script going any better, Riley. On a scale of 1 to 1,000, um, how hype are you after that win? Is 10,000 and somewhere on that scale? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's it's it was so decimating that you almost like can't even get excited about it because how how excited can you get when it looks like you're probably going to average margin of victory is going to be 40 plus points throughout the series. So um, it was awesome to see. Uh, tough to get super excited because it was sort of expected, probably not on this scale, but uh, we're going to have to see how Detroit handles the next three games before their season's over <laughs> and uh, kyle I'll, I'll open the floor to you as well for how um as, as the hype train conductor just like how much coal was getting shoveled in that in that engine there not much needed to just because it ironically didn't feel like a playoff game because of how good milwaukee was it, it just felt like a regular season game another whole hum bucks are just better no big deal and yet I was like, oh, yeah, it's game one. So <laughs> things are going pretty well. I put it at 9,000. Kyle's hype train is like it's going down a hill right now, and it's just released the brakes. Like it's just going off its own momentum at this point. Yeah, I don't even have to put coal in it. I'm just letting nature take its course right now. It, it really did not like even even leading up to the game. I was obviously excited. I mean, it's the playoffs. Who cannot be excited? But I really just going in felt like, especially once it, the news came down that Blake Griffin wasn't going to play for the Pistons. I was like, this this just feels like it's just going to be like a regular season game. I think the Bucks are just going to take care of business, and uh, quite clearly they did. Uh, yeah, I uh, I I don't know how deep we want to go. I definitely have notes for every single possession because you just have to you have to take in every moment of the only time probably in a I don't know how long that the Bucks have been the first overall seed, but uh, it it got out of hand super quickly and it was just comical how large the lead was by like midway through the second quarter. Yeah, and let's just go. I'll just run through some of the basic box score stats here because they're absolutely ludicrous. Uh, every single Buck starter plays less than 30 minutes. Giannis only has to go 23 minutes in this one. He finishes with 24 points, 17 rebounds, which is absolutely nuts. Four assists, one steal. Chris Middleton, a little quieter night, 14 points, uh, five rebounds, four assists. Got going from three, though, four of seven. So that was good to three. Brooke, see, Brooke Lopez. Made a lot, made hay early, 14 points for his night. Eric Bledsoe, 15 points on five and nine shooting, really efficient with five assists. And then Sterling Brown, a, a really solid 11 point, three rebound, seven assists, three steal game for him. And he was uh, a team high plus 38 on the night. So mm-hmm. um, suck it plus minus haters is what Sterling <laughs> Brown is saying to those guys. Um, and obviously for the Pistons, I, I'd like to highlight um, Thon Maker, four points. Four rebounds, um, four personal fouls, 
and uh, plus 1,000 on the excitement slash energy meter. Great work, him. Coming back to Milwaukee, getting booed by the Bucks fans. Andre Drummond, 12 points, minus 45 for the evening. Uh, a very uncalled for push of Giannis. Um, and uh, it, it was just like, it was hard to watch the Pistons just like slowly melt down into nothingness by the time Andre Drummond just like pushed Giannis Antetokounmpo out of the way when he was clearly so frustrated. Yeah, it was like, it was strange because the first half or so, um, it kind of seemed Detroit was falling right into the kind of shooting profile that the Bucks always hope that an opposing team kind of falls into, like a lot of mid-rangers or like even when they got to the basket, they weren't finishing. Like I, don't, I, I forgot to look this up before we hit record, but um, it seemed like Andre Drummond had difficulty like even finishing around the rim, and that was the same for a lot of the different guys for the Pistons. So um, it kind of went from there. And then even when Detroit had decent looks, they just weren't converting for whatever reason. Like it was just poor shooting night for them and compound that with the fact that you're getting smacked on the other end because you got no other you know options on defense and you get the kind of result that we saw tonight. Yeah, and I'll just do some of those numbers before you pipe in as well, Kyle. It's just so those shooting numbers you were talking about. Detroit shoots almost 50% of their shots come from the mid-range, um, which isn't exactly been their, you know, foretail season. They've just been at 34.6 or, um, excuse me, uh, 28.2% of their shots have come from the mid-range all season, so almost double their season average. Uh, and then, I mean, most acutely, they they shot 38.9% at the rim tonight. Um, just seven of 18. Meanwhile, Milwaukee was 21 of 27 at the rim, 77.8%, which is just absolutely insane over the season. Of course, the season the, over the four matchups that they had against the Pistons, the Bucks shot an average of 75% at the rim. So, uh, just more of the same tonight, Kyle. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because, you know, you would think with Andre Drummond, you'd have a presence that could protect the rim, but when Brooke Lopez is out there, he's stretching the floor and I know Detroit went with the cowardly zone and doing that, they just allowed Milwaukee to take whatever shots they want. But even then, the Bucks were still able to get to the rim. I mean, whether it was Giannis or Bledsoe or Sterling Brown, like everyone was able to get the shots that they wanted from Milwaukee. And Detroit, kind of like what Riley said, it seemed like they were really trying to force a lot of mid-range shots. And other than Luke Kennard, no one really took that many three-pointers. I mean, Don took six threes and didn't make any. And I think Langston Galloway, but those are more like garbage time uh, kind of threes. And I think that's just kind of what Milwaukee was hoping would happen with Detroit, especially without Blake Griffin. It's like they don't really have a dynamic offensive player besides Blake. I mean, Kennard can get a shot off and, you know, he had 21 points on eight of 14 shooting. So not too bad, um, but he's the only one that really, if he like, he's the only guy that's going to get his shots. Otherwise, Detroit just lacks any offensive talent without Blake Griffin and defensively. I mean, we knew Don being matched up against Giannis was a nightmare waiting for happen if you were <laughs> on Detroit's side. Like that, that was just spelling trouble. But between him and then like it was it was not fair. It was kind of just like you kind of felt bad for Thon at moments. And then at the same time, it's like, well, kind of brought this upon yourself. Um, otherwise Middleton was four, seven from three. So he was able to get a couple, he was able to get his three point shooting going. Um, besides that, it's not like the bucks really shot the three ball. Well, I know in the first half, I think Matt Velasquez tweeted that the bucks were shooting five of 20 from three and they were still up 20 points. So, you know, shoot better from three and Giannis, you know, doesn't go five of 12 from the free throw line. And this lead could have been higher than 40 at the rate it was going. Yeah. And I, I, the thing about these teams that like 
some of these people talk about maybe you can go zone against the Bucks. Like, and I haven't, I, I haven't seen like it's been like the Pistons. This is something they pull out quite as often. It's definitely been more like a Nets or a Heat thing. But I think the people who saw the Heat maybe have just a little success with zone against the Bucks uh, are underrating the fact that they are coached incredibly well. They have a team of elite athletes, and they always play the Bucks incredibly, well, incredibly well. Like, I do not think the Pistons have the sort of athletes or. Uh, granted zone doesn't require as much discipline, but like you absolutely have to be on the ball and there's absolutely no way that this team was going to be able to cycle around and and move around at the type of speed or agility or effectiveness to, to snuff out this Milwaukee offense. And the, the, the theory of it doesn't even really make sense to me. The idea that like the, the, the one thing that can bust up a zone is if you're able to hit a three or if you're driving to the basket and like Giannis can absolutely get to the basket at will anytime that he wants, um, he can finish wherever he wants. And then he can also just create really easy shots for his teammates out of that. So um, that was clearly just like, seemed like Dwayne Casey, just like grabbing spaghetti and throwing it at a wall. Yeah. I mean, I get the whole, I get like trying to do zone to quote unquote, slow down Giannis because then it forces him to either take jump shots himself or give it to another shooter. But Milwaukee has four good shooters on the court at all times when Giannis is on the floor. So it's like that doesn't really make sense at this point. But yeah, it kind of just seemed like nothing is working. I'm just going to try this and hope that it can at least slow Milwaukee down. And it didn't. It took Pat Connaughton like two possessions to break the zone. Like that's, <laughs> that was like, that was the highlight of it. It's like, oh, I think they're dropping in the zone. And like right after the announcer, it said that like Pat Connaughton got the and one like drive off the corner or whatever. So uh, it <laughs> clearly probably not a strategy that's going to be super effective over the long haul. If that's something that Dwayne Casey tries to roll with. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, and you did, I mean, the other sort of defensive wrinkle that you saw them go with was obviously initially Giannis had thon, um, matched up on him and then he just turned Thon into a sack of potatoes um really handsy sack of potatoes who really wanted to follow him obviously yeah. but this and then they switched and put Drummond, Drummond on Giannis partway through the period basically through that first period similar to what we've seen other teams do basically it started with the Jazz putting Rudy Gobert on Giannis and it seemed like he was daring Giannis to shoot and it was good to still see Giannis feeling confident enough to shoot even though he only goes what was he like one for one for five tonight from deep. It was still good to see him being willing to take that shot because teams are absolutely going to employ that tactic throughout the postseason. Yeah, I mean, and the issue for Drummond and the same issue that it is for pretty much every center that's been thrown up against Giannis is like they don't have the foot speed to be able to keep up with him. Like maybe they have the size if it's like Giannis chooses to post up, but how often does Giannis do like a traditional post up? Like if you're going to throw Drummond on him, Giannis is just going to back up 35 feet and then isolate you. And then it's, you know, good night after that. So it, it, it's difficult for them because even, even when Blake was available for the couple of games during the regular season, it's, it wasn't a problem for Giannis whatsoever. So there's, it's, an issue for a lot of teams, but maybe especially for Detroit, just because there's nobody in the mold of like an Al Horford or, you know, whoever else, like, uh, is it uh, James Johnson in Miami? Like the quote unquote Giannis killers out there in the league. There's nobody on Detroit that you could point to and say that guy has it. And now that we saw this uh, Thon Giannis matchup, this is what it must've been like during practice. So no wonder Giannis (laughs) pulled Thon out of like summer league. Like, all right, if you're going to suck down there, then at least come here so I can dunk on you all day. So, uh, Pretty brutal that we got to get a look behind the curtain with that. But uh, I just, even if Blake Griffin comes back, what's going to be the option? Like there's, there's no real, nothing else that Joanne Casey can really do, unfortunately for them. I mean, obviously great for us, but. 
Kyle, did you see the highlight that was going around of after Giannis scored a bucket, he was saying, I'm I'm effing unstoppable? Did you see that going around? <laughs> I did. I did. And I laughed at it. But that wasn't even the funniest, like, Giannis just kind of treating everyone like mere mortals. It was when he had the three and drum and kind of just, like, waved it off. And Giannis just pulled up and hit the three right in his face. So it was like, yep, that's a guy that's in the zone. And that's. That's just Giannis knowing he's better than everyone else, and I'm all for it. Yeah, I was I would, gonna, oh, go ahead. I was going to say that, I mean, the one main takeaway, obviously, super dominant from the Bucs. That's that's obviously the biggest storyline. But I would say the other large one is just how dominant Giannis one was from the very beginning and how everything ran right through him, and there was nothing that Detroit could do. Like, there were a couple of different possessions, either like end of the first quarter, start of the second, where even when he would drive, they would try to collapse the paint with like four dudes on top of him. And he would either just still go right up to the rim, no problem, or pass out to somebody to either an open shooter or somebody else who would find an open shooter. And it was just apex Giannis on display, like attacking the rim, no problem, moving in transition, killing teams that way, passing out when he needed to. So I thought it was just really impressive to see him so calm and composed under it. It wasn't even that much pressure, but with the new atmosphere being a top seed and to have no issues whatsoever, no kind of like fumbles, like some of the other East top seeds had this past weekend. Um, I thought that was really notable from him. Yeah. A couple other impressive Giannis stats here. So again, in the four games against the Pistons this year, he only had 16 free throw attempts across all of them. He has 12 free throw attempts tonight. It literally in just 23 minutes, which is absolutely insane. Tough to see him miss seven of those, but Hopefully he'll bounce back for the game. Other games ahead, his 23 minutes. There were only um, four games this year where he played less minutes than he did tonight in <laughs> a postseason game. Uh, yeah. So that's that's pretty delightful. Uh, I was reading the the small post from Alex Boder about Giannis being the best player in the league and potentially being the best one in the postseason. He had sort of called back to that bulls game so long ago game six where he knocks mike dunleavy over and i couldn't help but just think of that um when like his progression from that and now obviously he's uh, obviously mike dunleavy is is whatever but um like the fact that like the pistons are now in this position where they're bare like just scratching the surface of the playoffs andre drummond like an all-star guy is getting so frustrated by Giannis in this in this playoff series that he has to push him when they're down by like the exact same amount that the Bucks were down by to the Bulls all those years ago. It's just like absolutely crazy to think of that um, that switch just just in a few few years, Riley. Yeah, I mean, and if you look at it that way, then Andre Drummond has a really promising future ahead of him, and yeah. the Pistons need to sign him to a max contract, like extend him right now. No, no problem. If if this shove sets off a uh, increase in his ability, like it did for Giannis, then I think it means good things for the Pistons. But now it's it, it's so tough for Detroit just because, like, even after the season over, for whatever reason, this is going to turn into a Detroit bad boys. Uh, is that, what that, is that what our sister site is? This is going to be a Detroit Bad Boys uh, podcast, but um, it's just tough for them because yes, the Bucks are super ascendant, and you're right. Like the the Pistons are where we normally would be, like trapped in cap hell, or like with a quote unquote star, but maybe not enough to get over the top, or like supporting cast is kind of it's got like full of thon makers. So um, yeah, it's it's quite the role reversal, and I, and even like going back to the mid aughts where the Pistons were ascending as well. And the Bucks kind of like, they would be, that would be the team, the gatekeeper. I think Sylvan was saying, um, I think it's, it's impressive 
just kind of stepping back and looking at how far the team has come since like the doldrums of the 15 win season and just like four or five short seasons later to be all the way at the top and just dominating teams is uh, super crazy. Yeah. The fact that the most that any Bucks player played was 28 minutes and that was Pat Connaughton because he was the shooting guard in the garbage time lineup that that's kind of ridiculous. Just like how no starter played over 25 minutes. And then you still had Tim Frazier, who was able to come in for 12 <laughs> minutes and already outscore Kyle Lowry. Damn. That's kind of hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's just the depth of his team is that impressive that you can have bench guys like Sterling Brown that can come into the starting lineup and play really, really well. And then you still have, you know, Ilya Silva and George Hill and Connaughton come in and they're able to contribute while someone like DJ Wilson kind of unfortunate he didn't play because I think he would have thrived in this kind of game, but that Nikola Mirotic come back and he didn't have any threes, but he was at least ready to gun it again. He was ready to let it fly. And that's an encouraging sign. And, you know, if you're going to get all the bad shots out of the way, you might as well do it against a team that's going to run zone and you're going to boat race easily. Yeah, that was the Mirotic not hitting. I was just hoping he would maybe just see one go through the bottom of the basket, but it's also, we can use the logic that that just means he'll hit more in the, future games ahead He's saving them up yeah that's, yeah that's I mean, that's, basketball it just makes logic myself works. feel better yeah well <laughs> yeah, you know he's 0 for 5 so maybe next game he'll go uh i don't know five or six yeah there we go that's it <laughs> um the uh, man sterling brown though actually i just i looked because i was curious because seven assists seemed really high for him it was actually his season high uh, it might be his career high too i didn't look back to his rookie season but highest he had this whole season was six assists and three steals too i mean that guy was just an absolute dog on on defense. And um, it, it was really cool to see him sort of bring that same level of energy. I mean, even like when I, I, I this is a silly thing, but even like when the Pistons were, do they do the thing where they, a guy was shooting a shot after there was a foul call and Sterling Brown just went up and just like smacked it into the stands. Cause he didn't want them to even see it hit the bat, go through the basket. Yeah. I love the, I, I mean, you guys know, I, I love the way Sterling plays. Like he's so he's three and it's stupid to kind of shoehorn him in as a three and D guy, but he's like, so three and D, especially emphasis on the D like he was getting into it. Like Andre Drummond, like every time the whistle would call the ball dead. And then he'd like accidentally like make physical contact with a Pistons player. He'd like get right in their face about it. Like his entire persona is I'm not going to back down whatsoever, even if we're up 40 points and to kind of combine that with the fact that he's grown so much, like whether it be confidence wise or just being more comfortable with having the ball in his hands and like driving to the hoop and then passing out, or like he doesn't have to do the kind of do it all offense that we might've seen in summer league. He's a lot more used to like, okay, I can rely on these teammates are working within the team concept to find other guys and, you know, help benefit them instead of just being the lead scorer. Um, So I think it's been a testament to his growth, but I think, you know, even just last season, we kind of saw the outlines of what could be. And the fact that he's kind of continued onward down that path is a credit to him and probably to the coaching staff as well. But def- definitely good value for uh, to get Brogdon and then Sterling Brown and back-to-back second rounds. Like, that, those are the kind of picks you need to make if you're going to have a championship team. So awesome to see him uh, get back in the, or stay in the starters lineup and contribute in the way he did. And hopefully he continues onward. Yeah, and cl- I mean, clearly, Kyle, I, I mean, Detroit obviously was missing by far their best player, uh, the fulcrum of their offense as well. It, it, it was it was tough to see them basically reduced to uh, Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond, pick and roll. Hopefully Andre Drummond can make the basket. Otherwise, maybe Don Maker is going to have to whip up a, th- a deep three or Wayne Ellington is just going to brick a mid-range jumper. 
Yeah, I mean, without Blake Griffin, that Detroit team is not even close to a playoff team. Like, I, it's worse than Charlotte. It's maybe even worse than Washington right now. It's just not a good team. So, without Blake Griffin, I, I don't know what they can do. There's kind of like what what you said, you know, Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond trying to do a pick and roll, but none of those guys really terrify you. It, it's just like, uh, it's kind of sad, I guess. There's just not much for them, really. I can't I just feel bad for them because I like don't want to say they're absolute garbage, but they're not good. I think I think this brings up the question we've kind of been putting off for. We buried the lead. Is Blake Griffin the NBA MVP? Oh God, God. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Is he is he the dark horse candidate we've left off the list that we need to acknowledge now? I don't know how you can just completely ignore DJ Augustine with that question. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, Blake did get that tech, so um, yeah, if they, yeah, that's yeah. that's something you're going to want to keep an eye on because if you get seven technicals throughout the course of the playoffs, it's very possible he could get suspended for future rounds. So keep an eye on that. Really silly foul by him. Oh, let's say if he uh, manages to get seven technicals in the first round in four games, that would be, be amazing. <laughs> well, he'd have to probably do it in his next two. Well, can he even do that? No, it's mathematically impossible. Well, if he gets two technical, well, if he gets two technicals in games two <laughs> and three, then he's already at five. Uh, then maybe at game four. So the no, Pistons need. So the Pistons <laughs> need to, would need to win one game for us to be able to get Blake suspended. <laughs> seven technicals. Yep. Okay. All right. That was important. That was important. Yeah, I'm glad we. I'm glad out. we put that segment in there. Definitely have the time step ready for that one. <laughs> this is what uh, happens when the Bucks win by almost forty in a playoff game. We yeah. do not have anything noteworthy to talk about, so we just make stuff up as we go. Yeah, that was incredible. I, I mean, Riley, is there? I mean, is there anything else to even really take away from this? I mean, th- I think it's just like it, it's like absolutely. I think it's just incredibly heartening that this Bucks team clearly is not taking any of these games for granted. This is, they are firing in all cylinders and they want to prove anyone who might have doubted them or still doubts them or thinks they're just a regular season team wrong with this, this type of absolute blowout. Yeah. I would say the only other thing to kind of keep an eye on or not even keep an eye on, but that was notable is the fact that because the team was so dominant, you didn't need like, to super rely on Chris Middleton or Eric Bledsoe to be hot right from the get-go, like be right into like mid-season form. Um, they can kind of ease their way in, especially if Giannis is just going to carry the team the entire time, which is just fine and still only play 23 minutes. So I thought that was heartening, the fact that you could get through this one with a gigantic win. And even if Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton don't have the greatest games ever, or like really super notable games, it's not like last season where it's like, okay, if Eric Bledsoe is dying out there, this team is dying along with them. So um, that's one of the perks of having the number one seed. And then otherwise uh, apparently Luke Kennard is a killer. I had no idea. <laughs> um, or at least he's, he's a killer from the mid range, which is not going to really get you that far. So if the only thing the bucks have to worry about is Luke Kennard getting hot for one game or uh, two games, then I think they're going to be okay. Yeah. Kyle, do you have anything else besides uh, more, standing in awe of Giannis dunking from the free throw line. And also, is it, am I a terrible person for being like, Oh, Giannis, I'm really glad you dunked so early. Cause I was afraid Thon was going to do something stupid and like accidentally like hit him from behind. Well, I was actually going to follow that up. Like, I mean, Giannis dunking from the free throw line. It, it, I'm running out of words to describe it. I got to the point when I was tweeting, I was like, I don't even know what I can tweet because this is just, it's just so normal for us. But I was surprised Thon got booed right away even before his hard foul on Giannis. Like, the fact that he got booed from the get-go was 
kind of surprising. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just me thinking Milwaukee still would have like like Milwaukee liked them enough that they wouldn't have booed. But I don't know. That was always an odd thing. And then he fouls Giannis, and of course that's when yeah, you people are going to turn on you when that happens. Yeah, yeah, I'm waiting for all the videos to emerge of people burning their Thon Maker jerseys after the game. It was crazy to have the two most notable Bucks ever that have asked for a trade out of Milwaukee in the stadium on the same night, Thon Maker and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Sir, how dare MVP. Why did <laughs> why bring him back? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that tour. was super brutal. What are we paying the guy for? Like, <laughs> like, at least give Giannis a little shine. I mean, to be fair to Kareem, he probably doesn't know how to pronounce Giannis's name per evidence that emerged last week. I believe he pronounces like Giannis or Giannis or something like that. So it's probably for the best they try to declare him the MVP right there on national TV if he doesn't know his name. I respect that he had a measured take. I respect that he was like, <laughs> I need to do take. more. I, I need to do more research before I'd really determine that, you know, a team success is really important and uh, Giannis had the best team. So he should definitely be considered. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Kareem. And now <laughs> back to the shadows with you, sir. Back to the shadows. We'll call you for the next, you know, good, feel good PR moment. Yes. Yeah. Come back when you got your book, when you have whatever your next book is. Come on back for that. Uh, all right, Kyle, anything else from this one? I, it was just such an absolute destruction. It's hard to even pull out a lot of like even strategic stuff. It was Ledeckiing at his finest. The Bucks <laughs> were Katie Ledecky and the Pistons were every other swimmer in the world. There it is. There it is. That's the final note. It's the final word. All right, well, let's talk briefly about the sort of playoff picture at large, at least before we um, zoom out of here. So obviously the Eastern Conference was... Uh, a buzz on Saturday with the upsets as Orlando upset the Toronto Toronto. And Jesus Christ, that really can we get it? Can we get a live eat. report from the streets of Philly, sir? Please. That's why we have you out there. <laughs> and, um, and what's and Quinn course, feeling? Where's Quinn at right now? What's his feeling? <laughs> of course the Brooklyn Nets beat the, uh, beat the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, and I can I can tell you that 76ers fans um, weren't feeling great uh, during the game. They turned on Ben Simmons quite quickly midway oh, through the so second. Funny. Lots of stuff like, Ben Simmons is terrible. Most overrated player, I think, in the league. He could, he could be the best, but he just chooses to be the worst. Uh, He's not actively sure why. out there like, today, I'm going to be the worst player in the NBA. This is, <laughs> yep, this is the time, the playoffs. I'm not going to try anymore. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, it's it, it, the atmosphere is not great here in Philly after that first game. But uh, oh. boy, I, I I try and be kind and sort of keep it to myself. And nope. um, I never I never I never got a good chance to report from my time at the Sixers game. Um, obviously, because I had a, a, my appendix taken out. But um, my 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 uh, belief that I was going to be a cool, calm, and collected fan turned really quickly. Um, when I started, <laughs> when I got uh, amidst the other Philadelphia fans and turned right into Riley and uh, started shouting at all of the Sixers <laughs> players um, and may have said some probably uh, in- inappropriate things about Zaire Smith um, eating sesame hey, seeds on the court. come on. Whoa, yeah. that's dark. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Show yeah. Show hole in your chest. <laughs> So hope I'm it's good to see Zaire get back to full health though, because God, I wish he would I, I was standing for him hard at draft time. So I can't uh, can't can't ever take those words back. But yeah, the Sixers fans are are in a dark, dark place right now. 
really they're really hoping Monday goes better. Um, okay, but which team would you rather? What fan base would you rather be right now? Would you rather be Philly or Toronto? Toronto all day. Like they after losing game one, which who do you have more faith in? They Toronto. It's a tradition unlike any other, which is perfect because we just got off Masters weekend. But the Raptors losing game one of every single playoff round they've been in, I think, is well established for at least the past like three or four seasons. So uh, I would be more confident in them just because they have a track record of uh, falling uh, on their own feet in the first game of whatever series they're in. Yeah, that and one, because yeah, Philly yeah. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh my god! I was gonna say maybe Philly because Philly. I don't think Philly's gonna shoot that bad again. Like, I, it's not possible they can shoot that poorly, right? It doesn't help that Joel and Bead's knees are like duct taped together. Like, it's just yeah. we are so close to them snapping right in half. Like, <laughs> oh my god! I mean, and I wouldn't wish that on him, honest, honestly. But it's, oh, it yeah. doesn't. That's always been the concern, right? Like, he's just. He's he's a walking injury concern just because he's a gigantic dude in the way that he plays. So uh, I would say of all of them, at least Toronto isn't dealing with like, you know, besides whatever the hell Kawhi is dealing with. Um, well, they're not dealing with any sort of long term injuries or like potential where you're going to keep out a guy like Embiid for the entire series. Yeah, but if you're starting Cal, if you're starting all star starting point guard is getting outplayed by Michael Carter Williams and DJ Augustine, you're in a lot of trouble. And maybe it's because. Well, sorry, Canada, your point guard is trash, and so is the city and the fans. Sorry. <laughs> what is happening this podcast? What is happening? This is the absolute, this is the epitome of Bucks fans feeling themselves. It's just we're throwing shade at literally every other franchise. Jesus. Hey, good job, Boston, though. Good job. Oh. They they did what they were supposed to do, at least. Yeah, this yeah that was, that was awesome. Yeah, that was a really fun game points. to watch. Sunday matinee at its finest. Thank goodness Tiger was playing, so I didn't have to watch that. Yeah, I literally thought golf was better. That's how freaking terrible the Celtics oh, was game was. By, by miles. Yeah. Oh, man, god. he literally said sorry. Oh my god. That might be. We might have to change. We might have to get the old Milwaukee intro out and just put that little section from Kyle in as the intro and outro to the podcast. Oh my god. I don't know. David Dunn might need to put that in his video yeah, for it, the perspective of the postseason yeah no i would say just overall i i can't imagine so seriously looking at the playoff picture <laughs> of talking trash for like 10 seconds here um it really couldn't have gone any better this weekend for the bucks uh the celtics looked somewhat awful um the pacers <laughs> obviously looked equally awful and anything that rattles the raptors and sixers is a plus in our books so uh awesome weekend of basketball and i can't wait for it to continue tomorrow tomorrow and or i guess tonight when you guys hear the podcast but if the, <laughs> the sixers go down 2-0 to yeah. the nets oh my god i mean <laughs> i know it's cliche to be like we have to shut down the internet but we might have to shut down the internet because it's going to get vicious out there Okay, can I just say maybe can I say one thing, and we'll, uh, just to get you maybe this maybe this is just being too contrarian, but is do you think there's any idea to the fact that let's say the Bucks just absolutely just steamroll the Pistons four zero all the way through? Is there any credence to the fact that they won't have really been battle tested at all? And if any of these other teams sort of face, um, you know, even like like just even Toronto, let's say they have to go like six games, uh, is that is that any more beneficial to them or? uh non-beneficial to the bucks should those guys meet in later rounds 
I'd say I don't think it'd be an issue because Milwaukee will be able to, they haven't left the first gear. And if they can cruise through the first round, not having to leave a first gear and coming back healthy, I think that's a win for them. They can rest up. That gives them more time to incorporate Brogdon. And then you still have, you know, all these other teams that are going to be battling it out, slugging it out, and physically and mentally and emotionally be a little bit more drained. So if Milwaukee could just coast through the first round, I don't think it's going to cause an issue for future rounds. Yeah. And along with that, like we have a lot of the core, like the important core to the team, they were all pretty much around for the playoff series last year. If not, then they also have playoff experience elsewhere. So it's not like a year ago, it's like, oh, there's a lot of these guys that this is either their first time or like, the first time where you're trying to like really challenge or have a possibility of kind of getting over the top. So um, I'm not too worried about it. I would say in general, if you can get more rest for guys and you know, if you can continue to cruise with everybody getting 23, 24 minutes, uh, I wouldn't be worried about it at all. And then you come out and smash whoever you get in the second round. I tend to agree with you as well, Riley. I was just curious, especially I think people kind of underrate the fact that Giannis and, and Chris and a lot, like you said, a lot of these core guys have at least been through the playoffs or even been through the playoffs with Milwaukee. I mean, just look at what happened to Denver uh, with San Antonio coming out and just being able to, you know, like you said, smash them in the mouth and get that upset in game one after all these guys don't, it's basically their first foray into the playoffs. So that was, um, that's, uh, that's of course what the Bucks. Certainly avoided with this absolute destruction of the of the Pistons tonight, one twenty one to eighty six. Any other closing thoughts that you have, Riley or Kyle, to uh, to send us out on this one? Is it is it strange that we have to wait three days for the next game? Like I didn't, I don't know if that's because I think Phillies they play tonight or Monday, which yeah. is only two days after the last game. So I thought three day break is a little odd, but otherwise uh, it was pretty much as <laughs> close to a ho hum victory as you can get in the postseason. So. Uh, yeah, great start. Yeah, I feel like the breaks are kind of weird because then they have Monday and Tuesday, and then they play Wednesday, and then they have Thursday and Friday, and then game three is on Saturday. But then it, that's a little odd, but it is what it is. It's good to see that the Bucks were able to handle their business and just steamroll, and I'm okay with that. Yep, and I'm okay with it too. And I'm sure every single Bucks fan listening is totally fine with what we were able to witness tonight. Bucks win 121-86, take a 1-0 series lead. We'll be back after that'll be game three. So we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you again for listening. Read all our stuff on brewhoop.com. Follow us on Twitter at brewhoop. And we'll talk to you all again next week. Thanks. On the streets of old Milwaukee was a young boy walking